Welcome to the OKC Community Podcast. We are so glad you're here. To get the latest updates or to watch this week's message, visit our website at okccommunitychurch.com. Well, how many of you know um, that as we are talking about this idea of living the values, by the way, this is week two of living the values. We're calling today's message uh, reaching people, which is our second val- or our first value that we're going to talk through. But um, how many of you know that whenever we talk about reaching people, uh, that this is one of the most important things to the heart of God? And uh, I want to take us back as we begin. I want to take you back to the early years of your life, and I want you to imagine you are at the first day of kindergarten, and you sit down to lunch, and your mom has hooked you up because you open your lunchbox and you have half a dozen double stuff Oreos in that lunchbox. <laughs> Who could put down some double stuffs? Anybody with me, right? And you're thinking, man, this is a good day. And you are sitting next to your new best friend that you've known for about three hours. And uh, he or she opens their lunchbox and all they have are carrot sticks in their lunchbox. And they look at you and say, Oreos are my favorite. <laughs> and you, <laughs> And you are, you, are, you are facing a choice in this moment, right? Will you share your Oreos or will you not share your Oreos? Do you hand over a couple of your incredibly valuable and delicious double-stuffed Oreos or do you look at your new bestie and say, tough cookies, right? <laughs> this is a choice. And this is, there's actually a psychology to this idea of sharing It begins at the early stages of our life when we have, um, as children, to decide whether we're going to share, who we're going to share, why we're going to share. And there's been actually a lot of studies done on this. And one of the studies had two focus groups. And one group of children were forced to share some stickers that they they had been given. And they were forced to share those with other kids around them. While another focus group was given the same stickers. And they weren't forced to share, but they were given the opportunity to share. And when... What they found in this study is, of course, the ones that were forced to share, nearly every one of those kids became angry and upset about sharing, and they had a negative experience around sharing, while those in the group who were not forced to share, there were certainly kids who chose to not share, but many of them actually did share, and they actually enjoyed sharing, and they had a positive experience around sharing. And this, this may seem kind of like an obvious uh, sort of outcome, But it does bring up an interesting sort of dilemma for parents. Because I don't know about you, but if you're a parent and you see your kid not sharing something, you immediately react to that because you want them to want to share. And so you might scold them, you might correct them, and then you usually will force them to share what they have. But studies show that when we actually force children to share, it creates a negative feeling around sharing. So most of us as parents unintentionally miss the opportunity to help our kids discover the joy of sharing that actually feeds the happiness of not only the kid, but also the group around them. And so kids, when they share, but they don't experience or know the value of it, well, it can cause a negative emotion and it creates a more selfishly motivated psyche that feeds individualist mindset and aims to please self versus the collective or communal mindset. So everything comes back to being individualists in America, right? Um, the psychology of sharing, I think, is interesting that it can be, you know, even explained with carrot sticks and, and Oreos. But I actually want to talk about this idea of sharing today. 
Because we have to ask the question, why is sharing Christ something that most of us aren't all that interested in doing? Uh, Meaning maybe we like the idea of sharing, we maybe even believe in the call of sharing, but most of us, if we're real honest, sort of stink at actually sharing Jesus. And at OKC Community, if we're going to say we value people who authentically live out this value of sharing Jesus, we obviously know that the number one way to do that is to actually go and share our lives with people, as many people as we can. And I know when I say even sharing Jesus, that there's a wide variety of ways we do that, whether that be sharing our lives with people, sharing generosity or love, or sharing the story of Jesus with people, or sharing the gospel, or sharing generously with our lives, or sharing our testimony. There are many, many ways to share Jesus for the purpose of seeing lives changed for Christ and to see people come into a relationship with Him. And there's this verse in 1 Thessalonians that will help get us going on where I want us to head today. But it's in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 8. It says, So we cared for you, and because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share. Everyone say share. share. We were delighted to share with you not only the gospel, but our lives as well. Paul says, don't just share the gospel. I want to share my life with you as well. That's, that's what we mean by live the values, right? That this isn't just something we say, but this is something that we live through word and deed and conversation and friendship and meals and, and everything that we can think of, that we want to live this stuff out. And so again, we are, um, if you haven't, weren't with us last week, we are in a series called Live the Values that you can see on the screen. And these are our six values that we have. And we are introducing you these to these. These are newly established values. And so what is OKC Community all about? What do we value? What do we care about? Well, this is what we care about. We care about reaching people, extravagant love, passionate devotion, courageous faith, spiritual family, and doing things that matter. Those are just a few of the things that top out the list of the things we care about. And when we say that we value reaching people, we say it this way. You can go to the next slide. It says that every life matters to God. Who agrees with that? Every life matters to God. And therefore, it matters to us. So we are crazy about reaching people for Christ and seeing God transform lives. Who agrees that this is a pretty good value as a church? So if someone was going to ask you, what's OKC community about? I hope you say, oh, because it's all about reaching people there. We just want to reach people for Jesus. And I hope that's one of the things that you think about when you think about this church, but not only when you think about this church, but when you think about your life, that this is something you value, that this isn't something that you point to a organization that values, because we're not an organization, we're an organism, we're a body of Christ. So, the truth is that for a lot of us, this is hard, right? It's intimidating, it's scary, we feel ill-equipped and inadequate to share Jesus with others, and so it becomes a pressure-packed situation. And we say, hey, we value reaching people, but for a lot of us, we don't really know how to share Jesus. Is that real? Is that true? I mean, I think it is. So I want to start in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to jump into the pool of missional theology. You guys excited? Meaning God's mission to reach people. Let's talk about it. We're going to go into 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. It says this, Anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old is gone and the new has begun. Now there's a lot in this verse, right? But I love the very first word. It says, anyone. It's, it's, it's to the value that every life matters to God. Anyone can come 
become to Christ. Anyone can become a believer, no matter what they've done in their life, no matter what they've believed in their life. Some people say, well, I used to say this about Jesus, so I can never come to him, or I used to believe this about life, and, and therefore I can never go to God. And here's the deal. The most uh, hardened atheists come to Christ, the most uh, radical agnostics, agnostics, the worst of all criminals, they all can be saved by the grace of Jesus. Anyone, right? Anyone can find Jesus and new life. And this idea of new life speaks to this kind of regeneration that we can experience where we go from an old way of life to a new way of life. Really simply stated in other parts of the scriptures to be born again, to start life over, if you will, that we can be born again and start a new life in Christ. And this picture of becoming a new life in Christ, if you will, is this, is this understanding that we are forgiven for whatever the old life was that it's totally wiped clean and our identity is now wrapped up in Jesus and what he's done and who he, he is. And our identity isn't about what we do or what's been done to us. How many know that people, often their identity is about what they do. Often their identity is about what's been done to them. Or often their identity is about what they hope to become. And see, whenever we put our identity in those things, we are relying on self but whenever we put our identity, whenever you hear this phrase, our identity is in Christ, what you're saying is who I am is predicated by what Christ has done. My identity starts with Jesus and the fact that he saved me and he has taken me away from an old life and he's given me a new life. There's a lot going on in verse 17. <laughs> Did I mention the pool we just jumped in only has a deep end? Verse 18, not really. And all of this is a gift from God. Everyone say it's a gift. Yeah. Never forget that it's a gift from God, right? That God has given us salvation. And as it says in the word, freely we have received, now you should freely give. All of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. So God brought us back. We were separated by sin, right? But through Jesus, he brought us back, and it says that he reconciles us. Next verse, and God has given us the task of reconciling people to him. God has given who the task? Oh, the missionaries? Oh, TBN? Televangelists? People with a big platform? Pastors? I don't know. Who has he given it to? He's given it to, you already said it. Who is it? He's given it to us. He's given it to all those people, people of influence, people without influence. He's given it to all of us. He's given us this task of reconciling people to him. And, and whenever you say, well, what does that mean? What does it mean to reconcile people to God? Well, simply stated, it means that we reach people where they are and we reconcile their problems in life, their sin, but also their internal need for God that they don't really understand how to reconcile themselves. And we say to them, hey, there is a reconciliation through the gospel, through Jesus, through the message of the cross and his love for you, and you can reconcile people and their lostness and their separation from God through Jesus Christ. That's simply stated, easier said than done. Right? Like, is, like we can get up here and we can explain it to one another, but how do we do it? How do we live it? That's difficult. Verse 19. For God was... In Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. 
But he was what? He was offering them a gift of grace and salvation. This is, again, important. We can't reconcile ourselves. Only God can reconcile us. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. What did he give you? He gave you a message of reconciliation, meaning if you've received Christ, you now have a message in you of how you were reconciled to God. Therefore, it's something you contain, you have, you possess, and you can give away this message. You can share it, right? If you know Jesus, you've received a salvation and you have this message. Verse 20, so we are Christ's ambassadors. Everyone say ambassador. ambassador. All right. God is making his appeal through us. Through who? Oh, I thought it was TBN and missionaries. No, through us, right? You guys are on it today. I appreciate it. Usually I ask through who, and you guys just don't say anything. So this is good. You guys are following me today. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. So he's saying, listen, you have this message of reconciliation, and we're actually the mouthpiece, the instruments, the voice of God, the voice of Jesus, whenever we proclaim that message to say, hey, you need to come back to God and be reconciled. So this passage in 2 Corinthians, it was written by, of course, the Apostle Paul. If you know much about the Bible, Paul's writing is so good and so challenging, and I love the ministry of Paul uh, because every time I read it, I'm challenged with the way I live. I want you to think about it right now. So if I asked you, Daryl, like, why do you live in OKC? Or if I asked you, Matt, why do you live in OKC? Or if I asked you, Mel, why do you live in Oklahoma City? What's the reason you're here? If I asked you, Matt, back at the computer and Greg back at the soundboard, why do you live in OKC? And I'm, sp- I'm really asking why. I'm just kidding. I won't, I won't make you do that right now. I'm not, if I asked all of you, why do you live in OKC, right? Like, most of us would say, oh, my family, my friends are here, you know, I mean, I've always grown up here. I, some of you are like, well, I moved here because of work, and this is why I live here, and we all have our reasons, right? Well, I think if we ask Paul that question, and he was living today, and Paul lived in Oklahoma City, and he said, Apostle Paul, why do you live in Oklahoma City? This is what I think he would say. He would say, I'm here, I'm here to be an ambassador for Christ, right? I'm here to represent Jesus and advance his government and his purpose in this city. That's what Paul would say. And if he said that in a Sunday school class, we'd all go, dang it, why did I say I was here for work? (laughs) That guy's always right. (laughs) Why are you here? We answer that question. We answer that question with what we do We answer that question a lot of different ways, but very few of us say, I'm here, and I know we wouldn't say it this way in today's world, to be an ambassador for Christ. We all know what an ambassador is, right? An ambassador carries, catch this, the authority of the official or the government that they represent. An ambassador represents a country's mission in a foreign land. How many can get with that when it comes to our citizenship in heaven and our citizenship in the kingdom, that we are representing a government and an authority in a foreign land. Right? Are you with me? And it's clear that when we read the scriptures that this ambassadorship, if we're talking about Paul again, it was in his DNA, right? It was in his dunna. (laughs) Right? It was in his dunna. Yeah, some of us, we needed to get it in our DNA. It needs to be in our dunna, right? We need to know. I like that, by the way. Uh, We need to know that this is, this is who we are. We, and, and I know for us, A lot of us, we want more confidence and we want more consistency in how we share Jesus. But the truth is, is like I said in the very beginning, we get it, we believe in it, but we're not really good at it. So let's go back to this whole psychology of sharing thought for a minute 
Oreos and carrot sticks, but a little different. There's another angle worth mentioning. In the world of uh, social media, right? In the world of social media, we have this whole phenomenon of sharing, don't we? Sharing is the name of the game. It's what makes things go viral. It makes songs and videos and posts go viral. And there is like a little sidebar of this, that the fact that we like things on social media more than we share them is another mirrored thing with our faith that a lot of Christians like Jesus more than they share them. Um, but that's just a, we won't talk about that. That's a little too harsh. But um, I want you to think about this experience, right, of picking up a phone and scrolling through, uh, you know, Instagram, TikTok, you know, Twitter, if you still do that, Facebook, whatever your drug of choice is. <laughs> um, we scroll and we skim, right, past dozens of posts, and we occasionally will hit like and and uh, here and there, and then all of a sudden something catches your attention, something captures your imagination, and you read it, and you watch it, and you laugh at it, and then you are compelled in this moment that I must share this, right? And this got me curious about what was the most shared thing on social media in the past year, and it's no surprise that this next picture is uh, what kind of started a phenomenon, <laughs> right? Bernie Sanders and those mittens, they showed up everywhere. They were all over the place. It was like a moniker, right, of, you can go to the next slide, of, of all sorts of different <laughs> maybes, right? And, uh, and sometimes we share with this in mind, like, it's just for fun, and, but sometimes it's a little too much. But I want to consider for a moment, like, what motivates us to share in this space? Now, I realize this doesn't apply to all of us. I know some of you aren't social media, like, savvy or friendly, like, or some of you, don't, you just don't interact. You're not reposting, retweeting. You're not doing any of that. You're just, like, scrolling, and you won't even, like, like some kid's new baby picture. Like, you just have no emotional attachment to the social. And I get it. Like, that's cool. But you, but you still got it. You know, it's still that. It's still going. And, and here's the thing. A moment, for a moment, I want us to allow social media, if you will, to be a cultural commentary on what and how we share and the psychology of sharing. So the New York Times, they did this study and research to get some answers on specifically why people share certain things. And they were specifically kind of focusing in on when we share other posts, not necessarily make our own posts, but when we share, retweet, repost, put on stories, whatever. And apparently 94% of people, of course, they share to inform or to amuse people. And so we like to tell people, hey, that was interesting or this is funny. And, and that makes some sense. But the second reason, which was really revealing, says nearly 70% of us share other posts uh, on our feed, our timeline, our story, to catch this, define ourselves to others. And this is from the New York Times, and it says this, and you can put this on screen, but it says 68% of people say that they share content on social media to define ourselves to others and to communicate who they are and what they care about. So this isn't your own post. When you're sharing someone else's post, it's not about what they shared. It's about you, right? And so this sermon is not about, it's not about what you're posting on social media. I, I could care less. You do you, whatever you need to do, right? But I'm honestly trying, and I'm not trying to influence what you do, but I want us to just think about this for a moment, because if this is true in this context, that 70% of us share on social media to really be able to craft our own persona, our own brand to others, and to communicate who we are and who we are not, my takeaway from this is that we're not actually sharing to benefit others, we're actually sharing to benefit ourselves, Right? We share in order to craft an opinion of who we are, a persona that people either like or respect or think is funny or cool or smart or witty or silly or powerful or, or sporty or, or whatever, right? It's about 
the brand or the platform or the vibe or the voice. And listen, I'm not down, like even saying that those things are bad because some of us need that space to do our career. I, and I realize I'm drifting into dangerous territory comparing what you and I do with memes and TikTok videos to how we share the gospel. Um, but think about this. If I only share for the benefit of myself, then I am only willing to share Jesus with people that I believe will be mutually beneficial to me. And meaning many think, well, I don't want to share if it's going to cost me or hurt me or jeopardize anything in my life. And so with this assumption, I only share with people that likely will benefit me in some way. There's no risk involved. It's a, it's a win-win. So if we pull this commentary about culture and the psychology of sharing kind of into our faith, because I think we can, uh, it's possible that sharing Jesus can go one of two ways in our life. One, we feel like the kid with the Oreo that's forced to share. So our parents, our church, our, I don't know, someone in our life, a friend, a Bible tells me that I have to share, but I really don't want to because I'm not ready to, I don't know how to, I feel ill-equipped to, I'm afraid of it, it's hard to do, and so, but then I feel forced to share, so then all these negative emotions start to come in where I feel guilted, I feel shameful that I don't do one enough, I feel this dissonance, and we have a lot of us with all these negative feelings around sharing our faith in a world that we're like, is it even appropriate to share? I don't know if I should share. It's just weird to share, and so I better just not share because it feels negative. So that's one way it may go. The second way it may go is we filter what we share by considering how it may affect us. And so we only share with people who I feel like it's going to be some way a benefit to myself, meaning I'm going to feel good about sharing. And so I get to check off the spiritual checkbox, like, look at me, I'm, a, I'm doing a great job. And it's not really about them, but it's about us feeling good about ourselves. Or at the end of the day, it's not really a gift to others. Um, it's more of a gift, if you will, to ourselves, because sharing has an agenda then. And it might even be an agenda yeah, that is partially about them, but it's driven by our own self-centeredness. I didn't, know, I didn't even know if I should talk about this, to be honest. Uh, because it's not, it's, it's, I was asking the Holy Spirit, how do I give this message in a way that, Lord, you're putting on my heart, but this isn't a sermon to correct or shame or push believers in a way that says, hey, you know, get better, suck it up. <laughs> Rather, it's a commentary, if you will, to help us see that we've yet to discover the joy of sharing. So many of us haven't discovered the joy of sharing that whenever we don't feel forced or whenever we don't feel selfishly motivated, that there is a joy in sharing that some of us just have not yet figured out. You see, we only discover the joy of giving when we understand the gift. Remember, we talked about the gift, that gift that God has given us. And we see it as a gift that we can't ever get on our own. And we find the joy in realizing that I can share this out of kindness and love and generosity. And the joy of Jesus compels us to share not only the gospel, but what did it say? But our lives as well. 
And today, I just want to say this. There's no shame. There's no guilt. There's no pressure if we haven't figured this out yet. Today's world is a difficult world to navigate. It's scary to know that, hey, if I share Jesus to the wrong person at the wrong time in the wrong place, I could lose my job. It's scary to know that if I talk about Jesus, I may be alienated, I may be blacklisted, I may be forgotten about. So I got to pick my times, right? I have to be really careful about it. Even on social media, like a post that's a little too transparent about your faith may blow up in your face, in your face, right? So it's difficult. And I do want to say there's no shame or guilt if this isn't something you've really figured out yet. Because maybe you haven't been trained or equipped, or maybe you haven't really been in the environment to understand the joy of it. But I think it's important today to be honest about it. I think it's important to be honest, to know that this is something that God really wants to help us with. He wants to help you with. He wants to help the church, if you will, with it. Because we need to figure this out and we need to walk together in it. Because this is something we've already, if you're, if you're a Christ follower, like we know it's the best news in the world. It is called the good news for a reason. And perhaps the most important thing Jesus told us to do after we receive this gift is, of course, to share it, right? He wants us to share it. In John 20, we read, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. So Jesus clearly tells the disciples, I am sending you. Why don't you look at your neighbor right now and just say, You've been sent. (laughs) Did you mean it? You've been sent. You and I are the sent people of God. Remember ambassadors. What are they? They are sent. They are sent, right, to other people and places to represent their king and their government. We have been sent as the representatives of God into this world. That's just just what God has done. Jesus said, I was sent by the Father, and now I'm sending you. And if you're wondering, well, where have I been sent? I would just say, like, it's not that complicated. You've been sent to where he has you right now. You've been sent to the world that you live in. You've been sent to the people and places that surround you. You've been sent to the job that you're in. You've been sent to the neighborhood that you live in. You've been sent to the people that you interact with, to the school that your kids are in. You've been sent to all these people and places. I say it all the time that we should dream about the people and places we intersect every day. Maybe we should say we need to pray for the people and places we intersect every day, and we need to reach the people and places we intersect every day. You've been sent to be an ambassador for Christ in the city that you live in. You've been sent by God, just as God sent Jesus, you sent you to go into the foreign land to represent the king, the government that he's trying to establish to say, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, in my neighborhood, in the schools, in the city that I live in, to the world around you, to the people you interact. That's where you've been sent. And so if you're wondering, I don't know if God sent me, he sent you because you got people in your life and places in your life that surround you that need Jesus. That was an amen. That was, a, that was a biblical amen right there. So the question is, okay, fine, I've been sent. <laughs> but how do I do it? How do we reach people? And this is where I want to spend the last few minutes talking about this because I want this to be helpful today. Two things I want to share today that, w- that we need to do as, um, if we're going to go. And it's just this. You can put this on the screen. So how do we reach people? We pray and go. And you're like, okay, that's not too helpful. Stay with me for just a minute. 
<laughs> you're like, can I go now? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I can do this. Amen. See, yeah. The life of Jesus is an instruction manual for us on how to go and reach people, just so you know. Jesus, in Jesus' life, everything begins and ends with prayer. Can I get an amen for that? Because here's the thing. Everything begins and ends with prayer. He was withdrawing all the time to be with the Lord, to prepare himself to go and be with people. This is what he did. And in Luke 10, uh, we get this really interesting kind of moment where you see Jesus really train the people on how to go do this. And when Jesus was literally sending his disciples to do ministry, he said this to them. He said, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest field. Now, this was an instruction to pray. Remember, he says, ask the Lord. He wants them to pray for the harvest and to pray for God to send his workers into the field. So in Luke 10 is this moment. If you know this moment, he sends out 72 of his disciples, two by two, to go into towns to reach people. That's what they're doing, right? And he says, this is what I want you to do. I want you to begin by, by praying to God that the harvest will come. And so we're going to start praying. That's what he says. Jesus will continue this prayer. John 17, it says, my, this isn't on the screen, but he says, my prayer is not only for my disciples. This is when he's praying in the garden. He said, I'm not just praying for the 12 disciples, but I'm praying. This is what he says. I also pray for those who will come to believe in me through their message. So he starts praying for the people that they will reach all the way down to us. Jesus was praying for that. And we gave you, by the way, uh, we gave you this little bracelet that was on your seat today, right? You can go ahead and get it out. If you haven't put it on your wrist, go ahead and do that now. And if you hate it, you can take it off later, but just make me feel good about it for the moment. Right? If you're like, I got to cut this off with scissors later, more power to you, but I think you might want to keep it on after I talk about it. So here's the deal. We're inviting you to wear this through the end of this series, which is at the end of September. So if you're like, when is that? It's the end of, this, it's the end of September. Uh, after that, whatever you want to do. You know what I mean? And we want to consider, God, who are you sending me to? Who are you sending to me? And we want to start praying for them every day. So if you see on that little bracelet, it's very small, but it says pray and invite. And we want to start praying for at least one person a day, but you may feel led to pray for 10 people, whatever. But praying is an opportunity for us to begin orienting our minds to reaching people. We need to pray for them if we want to reach them, right? So we want the opportunity to share our life with people and so this bracelet is intended to be a daily reminder for you. So this bracelet is intended to be a thing for you. <laughs> we want it to be a thing for you because if you're wondering, like, how do I reach people? Well, it begins by praying for people. And you might need a little reminder when you look down to this, go, oh, I haven't prayed for anybody today. And I know that the bracelet prayer reminders, it's not a new thing, but we're doing it again, hopefully with a, with a fresh kind of approach to it. Everything begins and ends with prayer. And for many of us, we have to turn the corner of our individualist mindset where even in our prayer life, all we pray about is ourself. And we have to say, I'm going to start praying for people. If we want to reach people, we got to pray for people. And then the second word says invite. And when we, when the opportunity presents itself as you're praying for people, I would encourage you to invite. And you're thinking, oh, he wants them to invite us, invite them to church. You can invite them to church, but I'm talking about invite them into your life. Invite them to coffee, invite them over to your house for dinner, invite them to church, invite them to Alpha, invite them to a connect group, invite them to wherever, just as long as it's in the heart and the spirit of like, I want to I connect with this person. And we'll, we'll talk more about this because the invite idea flows into the second word of go. So how do we reach people? First, we pray for them. Secondly, we go. And sometimes going is inviting uh, people into your life. But I do want to make the point that Jesus is very clear about this idea of going. We know this in Matthew 28. It says, therefore, go. Everyone say go. go. 
Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded. This is the great commandment, and, or excuse me, the uh, great commission. And this passage is critical in our understanding of God's mission for each and every one of us and for the world and what he's sending us out to. He wants us to do what? He wants us to make disciples. And then he says, and then we say, okay, cool, I'll make disciples. Now, how do I do that? He says, well, just go and do it. And you're like, okay, uh, just go? Like, you're like, yeah, just go. And you're like, well, when do I go? How do I go? Where do I go? And if those are questions you have, that makes sense. But remember, we can't just take one verse and think that Jesus said everything in one verse. He actually had already taught them how to go. And we're going to go all the way back to Luke 10, because he had said, I want you to ask the Lord of the harvest. So he says, I want you to pray. And then he goes on talking about and equipping them and training them on how they should go share the gospel. Verse number five, it says this in Luke 10, verse five. So he's sending the 72 out to go two by two to reach people. And he says, when you enter a house, first say peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. So in other words, and sometimes you just have to kind of like study the word to kind of get what he's saying and what's really happening. But in other words, when you show up and you're going uh, to connect with the person, he says, I want you to begin by blessing them. In Israel, when someone would come to a house and say, hey, I want to uh, give you, offer my peace to you. What they were basically saying is, I want to pray a blessing over your house. And it says that some would receive it and some wouldn't. Now, in today's world, that may look different. You might not want to knock on someone's door and say, can I bless you? Uh, or can I pray peace over you? But it is similar, like in the sense that when we try to enter into people's lives, we have to bless them first. And we don't do this really well in our culture. We, we want to, you know, kind of keep it really, really easy, really soft, but there's something that changes about the spiritual climate whenever you say pretty early on in the relationship, like, hey, you know, is there something that uh, I could be doing for you or I could, I could help you with going on in your life? Or is there something I even could pray for? And, and just see what they say. Or, hey, is, you know, and be generous with them. Bless them with generosity. Give them a meal, whatever it is. And then, and then say, hey, you know, I'm just going to pray a blessing over your family. Like, that may feel like a big step forward, but that's a lot easier than saying, hey, can we start with the reconciliation of God and how you have a sin problem? Like, there's a lot. Let's take... <laughs> Let's take, right? Like, can we just start blessing people instead of let's just start straight to preaching to people? Like, we want to bless them. Jesus says, enter their house and bless them. Bless them, encourage them, affirm them, speak to their life and say, peace over you. Not everybody's going to receive it, but a lot of people are going to be like, I've never had anybody do this in my life. No one's asked me how my marriage is doing. No one's asked me how they can pray for me. We bless them. Then he goes on. Beautiful step with the person, by the way. Changes the spiritual atmosphere like that. Luke 10, verse 7. After you bless them, he says this. He's training them, right? He's like, you're about to go out into the town. Let me tell you what you do. Bless them. And then he says, I want you to pray. Then I want you to bless them. And then he says, stay there eating and drinking whatever they give you. Amen. <laughs> no dieting with Jesus. You just go. It's golden corral all day, every day. <laughs> he says, listen, eating with others is a powerful way to connect at a human level. People aren't an agenda, as I said earlier. They, they aren't a project. They're friends that we share meals together. And that's what we do first. We pray for them and we bless them and we eat with them. I don't know how to reach people. Pray for them and bless them and eat with them. No matter what, 
This is how we go. This is how we make disciples. And then in verse 9, he doesn't, he's not done. He's like, hey, if you just stop there, it might not be enough. He does say this in verse 9. And he said, and then <laughs> heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. Now, Jesus always summarized the gospel in this idea that the kingdom of God has come near. But it's obviously, there's a lot more to it. But he was summarizing the gospel message that Jesus has come to seek and save the lost. And after we pray for them, after we bless them, after we've eaten with them, had conversations, built friendships, Jesus instructs them, well, eventually you're going to have to proclaim to them the good news. And this may be in ministry. This may be like, oh my goodness, we can pray healing for this person. And as a result, they come to know Christ. So it could be in deeds of ministry. It could be in doing ministry with them. But it also could be and sharing your story uh, that you have in Christ or by sharing Jesus with the person or by inviting them to church, like I said, to, to maybe hear and experience the presence of God in an environment like this. Well, Paul would later write in Romans just to kind of reinforce this, enforce this. He says, how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone to preach? Now, he wasn't talking about professional preachers. Once again, he's talking about you and me, like eventually you're gonna have to tell them about Jesus. So this whole notion that we're just supposed to live it out without any proclamation of who Jesus is, we're just going to go be do-gooders without clear truth ever said, it's going to fall short. And so there, but, but listen, it's, it's this understanding that the, that the idea that we are trying to present here is that if we're going to reach people, well, it begins by praying and going. You can just put this on the screen, this kind of next step. How do we reach you? We pray and go. And just remember going, what that looks like. It means blessing people, eating with people, sharing the gospel. So if you've ever been wondering, how do I reach people? I'm not saying it's that easy. It's a three-step process. I get it. It's nuanced. It's relationship. But a lot of us have to just go back to the word and say, what did Jesus say? This is what Jesus said to the disciples. And ultimately, the prayer today is that we all discover the joy of sharing <laughs> it's a blessing to share with others. And I get it that we've had negative experiences around sharing. Maybe we felt guilted into it. Maybe we felt ashamed that we don't do it well. Maybe we're afraid to do it. I get it. I also get that we live in a world that uses sharing to essentially benefit ourselves. This is why it's so important that the church gets this one right. And I actually think we can do it. I actually think we can get better at it. I think we can grow at it. I think we can actually live this one out. I, I, I'm not like the, you know, pessimist, like the church is going to fail in the future. The church is dying. Listen, the church will never die. We have the good news of Jesus, and it's been, it's been progressing for the last 2,000 years. And even though the, the world wants to tell us that the church is shrinking, globally, the church is growing. The church may be shrinking in certain parts of the world, but that just tells the believers in that part of the world that says, hey, wake up. Arise from the sleep. You, you know what I mean? Like it's time for you to understand that who you've been called to be, what we've been called to do. Because why are we here? I mean, I don't know. I was born here. <laughs> no, you are here to be an ambassador for Christ. We'll go back to where I started this whole thing. First Thessalonians, oh, you, not Orioles and Carrot Sticks, but First Thessalonians 2.8. Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Can I get an amen? Amen. Let's pray together. In fact, let's stand together as we pray. Would you stand with me?
Let's just ask God to speak to us, to minister to us, invite. I just encourage you, truly invite God to speak to you right now. I want him to speak to you about this in your life. If you're a believer, I feel like he wants to speak to you about the idea of reaching people, the idea of sharing your faith. Just invite him to say, come God, speak to my heart. Come Holy Spirit, speak to me. I believe today you may feel, you, you may feel led to can consider this value in a whole new way in your life. I want you to consider how you share, why you share, when you share. You might even want to ask the Lord, say, Lord of the harvest, will you give me eyes to see? I think some of us are going to need to break some things off today, to break off spirits of shame and anger and resentment. You may need to come forward and say, Lord, I need you to break this off. Take it off of me because this idea of sharing Jesus has had a negative feeling on me and I don't want that anymore. I want to experience the joy of sharing you. But for some reason, the spirit of negativity has been put on me by the world around me. Some of you need to ask, Lord, take off that spirit of selfishness that we have in the gift of Jesus, that, Lord, we want Jesus all for ourselves, but we don't really want to share Jesus with as many people as we can because of whatever reason. Maybe it's self. Just break all that off, God. And ask God, can you give me the joy of sharing? Father, we pray that in Jesus' name, Lord, for the, the joy of sharing your name. We're just going to sing here for just a moment. And as we sing, I, I think some of us even can receive this message of Jesus today in a way that says maybe this whole gift of grace and salvation is for you today. And if you want to talk to somebody about what it means to know Jesus as your Savior, we're going to have our prayer team up here. We'd love to talk with you. We'd love to share with you what that is. So, Father, we pray all these things in your name. We give you this time to respond, to sing, to allow you to speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. This altar's open. Just allow these next few minutes to just continue to minister to your own heart. We'll be leaving in a few minutes, but just allow this, this time to give it to him, respond to him. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. If there's anything we can pray with you about, or if you have questions about God, we'd love to talk with you. Please visit our contact page at okccommunitychurch.com.